We've been sharing uh, for a little bit now, this is the fifth week, on the glorious church. And what does the Bible say? You know the Bible actually uses that term called the glorious church. We haven't really looked just a little bit at that scripture, but the church is a glorious church. It is something different than the rest of the world. I mean, compared to anything out there, the true church, now it's not just one church, but it's made up of everybody who has given their life to Jesus and has been born again. That is what the Bible calls the glorious church. And it doesn't say you have to try to be glorious. It's called the glorious church because it's so different. It really is. And um, we need to realize this. So we're going to be a number five today about the glorious church. One thing that makes the church of the Lord Jesus different is eternal life. And we've mentioned this, and the power of the Spirit of God. Are you with me? There are things in this world that people are searching for, but one thing that makes us different than anybody else is eternal life, and eternal life is something that's real, that can be experienced, that affects the atmosphere and the Spirit of God. He is the one who raised Jesus from the dead, and He is the one who did not stop working. He is still working today, and that's what makes it so different. You know, you can go to a concert, and people will get all fired up for their whatever popular group, whatever, and they'll, you know get crazy, and they'll leave and go, wasn't that awesome? I've been to concerts not knocking them when I was in the world, you know, before I was saved. I'm not saying people can't go now, but I've seen different groups, you know, like, not going to say, I almost did. But then people might criticize me or go, oh, that's cool, you know, or I don't know. I want to I keep preaching, and I want people to go, ooh. I'll just say this, I don't listen to country, so that should make me accepted. And um, so anyway, uh, going to those concerts, there were things happening. People would party before they would go and do all this stuff. But one thing that's totally different about that music and our music of the glorious church is the power of God. That we start singing and God's presence starts manifesting. I never went to see Rush if I saw him. Okay, I did. Or whoever, you know. And, and I never went and saw these groups and went, wow, you sense that right now? There was none of that. I went to a church that believed the Bible, that was spirit-filled, and I thought, this is different, not because it was different by what you saw, but that was different. But you could sense God. And God was moving. That's one thing that makes the glorious church, the glorious church is God working in us when we gather. But understand this, when God is on display, ultimately, this is how it, the math should work. It should convert or equal the influence on Christians to reach people and ultimately, it should influence people to surrender their life to Jesus. 
people who never have. Why? Because when there's real power on display, people come encounter the real living Savior. Whether it's in a service or talking to someone, the glorious church is not just meeting together, which we're supposed to, but once we're done meeting together, we're to take something to the world. We are different than the world. And I said this before, and it's so true. One thing that was so wild when Jesus came, Jesus came and had eternal life. He said, the words I speak are eternal life. And the world had lived for thousands of years, and all they knew was spiritual death in themselves. So he brought something to a human race that was starving and couldn't find it anywhere. Now, they could get things through the covenant that Abraham had with the Jewish people. You know, God had one. But they couldn't get what Jesus brought and was bringing. And so when he started speaking, it was like people who had been in a desert their whole life got a glass of water for the first time. For the first time, they had a real glass of water and went, oh... And Jesus even told a woman at the well, this well, he said, I could give you living water and you'll never thirst again. But it wasn't natural water, it was living water. So that's what makes up the glorious church, is this real, true life. I've found this to be true in my dealings with people who uh, are in what I would call false religions. It's not to knock them, it's just there's a craving in humanity for the supernatural. To know God. And that's why there's so many things out there. Because there is a pursuit. I'm convinced that's why people get drunk. And that's why people do drugs. And that's why people do all the things they do. They're trying to find something that will really do something for them. And the church should not fail in this area. We have what, what they're looking for. Are you with me? So we can't dumb things down because it would be like, you know, if, we, if, if, if somebody was dealing, you know, had alcohol issues and they, they went to the bar every day and, and then they started watering down the alcohol to make it more pleasing to all the, the new people coming, and they watered it down till others weren't getting affected, people think, something's wrong here. Well, the church can't do that. Let me try that again. The church can't. Well, let me say it like this. The church shouldn't do that. And so God will move on people to reach people. And the supernatural is a doorway to reaching people, to influencing believers and influencing lost people. I mean, if it's just words only we give people, what do we give them more than other religions give? And if we're only experiencing words and we're not experiencing God, what are we experiencing more than the rest? Are you with me? It had to be so real for the early disciples, they were willing to die. And virtually all of them did for their faith. Were imprisoned because there was such a commitment not based on you need to commit. 
But they all knew God so well, they're like, I'm committed. Not just commit. They came in contact with God and they became committed because they knew God. You get what I'm saying? I can say commit yourself, do what you need to do, but then there's a whole other thing when you have an encounter with God yourself and then you commit. You go, man, I know God. That ends the conversation. It's not about just a rule. It's I've come to know Him. And therefore, I'm committed. Turn to Acts, the third chapter. Because commitment really does come through encounter and experience and walking with God and living with God. Because there's nobody, if you will truly walk with God, that He won't work with you, deal with you. And I'll tell you what, then that will affect others. Are you with me? God will work with you. God will deal with you. Sure, I can say commit, but, but how far does that go if it's just me? But if it's God, it carries weight. Are you with me? And he does use people, but that doesn't mean just because I said he's using it, but his power on words are powerful. Notice this in Acts 3, the third chapter, looking at the supernatural influence on people. 3, verse 6. Then Peter, Peter and John are going up to pray. They run into this guy who's infirmed in his body. He's sick in his body. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Verse 8. And so, leaping up, he stood and he walked entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So these guys are going to pray. They're going to the temple. They run into this crippled guy who's actually been there, and they passed him many, many times. But this day, he's begging, and they stop, and they give him something that they had, and it wasn't money. They had the supernatural. They had the name of Jesus. And it says they took him and raised him up and he was leaping, verse 8, and they, he went into the temple. He's walking, leaping, praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. You know what's wild? If this place was full of praise and shouting, he would not stand out. Let me try that again. If there was a lot... This, remember, this is the temple where people would go to worship God, to pray, to get to know God. Remember, we read it last week where Jesus went in there and made correction because it had turned into a place where people were not coming into contact with God and knowing God personally. Think of how strange it would be to go to a church... And then somebody's praising God and leaping, hallelujah. And everybody would be staring like, what's going on here? 
if there's any place somebody should know God and be experiencing God, it should be in church. And they're all startled. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they knew that it, verse 11, it was he who sat begging for alms or money, charitable contributions at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So the supernatural happened through these church members. We may not see a crippled person walk every day, but we all as believers should know God and have something you know that we can connect with with people. We all know what eternal life is. We've all experienced it if we've received the Lord. And he said, now as the lame man, verse 11, was healed, he held on to Peter and John. Do you get the picture of this? Think about it. You ever had kids or whatever holding on to you, and they're jumping, and you're like, um, please? And you're all... You ever had that? Think about it. He's jumping and leaping and holding on to them as they're walking in. So they're probably like, well, praise the Lord. Didn't say they were. And this isn't an out-of-control kid. This is a full-grown adult, 40 years old. I mean, he's making a scene. Now, all the lay, now, as the layman was healed, held on to Peter and John, and all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, or Solomon's, greatly amazed. Verse 12, so when Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw curious people. He saw people interested in what God had done or was doing, and what God was working. He saw this, and he responded to them, and he began to preach to them the gospel. Miracles and testimonies are a doorway to the lost. To a world who craves the supernatural and to know God, and, and understand this, there's a lot of roads out there. And they lead all different directions. And that's why people are out there looking. And that's really why there are so many different things. There's fortune tellers out there. Because the church has not met the need of having a real God who deals with people. So we got to go find some voice that will speak to us and deal with us. And therefore, the door swings wide open for deception. Because there are demons. There is supernatural. But there's a real and there's a false. There's an unseen world that is infested by demons, but more angels. And the Spirit of God lives and works with the church and so we shouldn't get down on people who go to fortune tellers, mind readers, and all these different things. They're just looking. We've got the real thing. We have the real thing. We shouldn't get down on people for looking to all the religions of the world. 
Are you with me? I've met Muslims who have said, who have come to know Jesus. We were in the, you know, in Islam and, and we were devout and devoted. They came to know the Lord. They said, we could sense God. Not in Islam, but in Christianity, we realized. That's what we have to offer. That's why we're called the Glorious Church. We shouldn't take for granted what we have. Are you with me? Or what we'll live in for eternity. Humanity is on a hunger quest. Are you with me? And we have what they're looking for. The supernatural is huge. Look at this verse in Acts 10. Notice how these people, they start preaching, a bunch of them come to know the Lord through this experience. We all have had experiences. How many of you could literally sense the presence of God when you were, we were singing this morning? Bunches of hands. And you recognize God working. Well, we could go, wow, we have the supernatural bridge that these people are looking for. We have it. Acts, the 10th chapter. And really, if you look in the book of Acts, you'll see they use these things that were occurring to help people to walk with the Lord and come to know him. Acts 10, verse 3, says this, And about the ninth hour of the day, he, Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? I mean, if an angel came walking in your room, I bet you might be like, Ugh! And he said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms, or charitable giving, has come up for a memorial before God. You know what's so wild? This guy had a spiritual hunger. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know eternal life. He was religious. He was praying. He was giving. God recognized and saw that he had a hunger for him but he didn't know him. And so God sent an angel to prepare this man in order so this man could come to know him. You know, there's people all over out there that at night are praying, God, if you're out there, how do I get to know you? There's got to be more to life. There are people like that. I was like that years ago. My prayer life was, what in the world? Why was I born? There are people like that out there. What, all over the place. And really, God sees that. And he did with this guy. And he said, so, verse 5, Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter, he is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Man, God is working on a sinner. 
You know, we talk about God moving in our lives. God is working on a sinner here. You know, he didn't have to ask anybody's permission. Hey, you guys think I ought to do this? He was doing it because God will always respond to hungry hearts. He will respond to hungry hearts. That doesn't mean their heart is right. That's why he was like, man, here's what you do. You go down here, and this is where you go to get it. You know, I'm convinced of this in my own experience, that God will lead us to cut off the path of people pursuing wrong things in life. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, there have been times in my life where I knew I need to go talk to that person. And, um, and uh, I thought, man, I need to go do that. And I thought, well, I don't want to be pushy. And I knew the Lord was dealing with me. But I didn't realize somebody else was coming to them trying to draw them into something false. Are you with me? Or something was pulling them that was going to destroy their life. You know, I tell the story years back. I, I went to work at this company and I was talking to this guy and about the Lord and God was moving on me and I knew I need to talk to this guy and lead him to the Lord. And as I was talking, that eternal life that we experienced, the Spirit of God, that we, we know him. And he started working on this guy and I said, can't you tell that God's dealing with you? And he said, he is dealing with me right now in stereo. See, what God was trying to do was cut him off from what was coming and get him going the right way. And, and uh, later on that day, uh, after I had said, you know, can't you tell God's working? He's like, yeah. He told me, he said, you know, it's wild. Other people are coming across my path talking to me, just like you, like random. I hadn't seen him in years. I said, well, you need to respond. I felt pretty good. You know, you know, God's moving. I was like, this is powerful. But don't be so glorified in what God's doing through us. Recognize he was working to cut that guy off from a path that could have destroyed him and ultimately did. I remember I witnessed to him the next day. God moved again. And then, then later on, like in a day or so, uh, my owner of the company calls me and said, hey, were you working with so-and-so? What time did he leave? And, uh, and we had this conversation. He said his wife called. She hadn't been home, he hadn't been home. And I knew God had dealt with me to reach this guy. And, um, and I believe God can work to cut people off from things. I, and I'll go back to this story, but I have a friend who... Uh, went to get a physical for something and he was sitting there and he knew the Lord was dealing with him uh, to talk to this guy. He said, well, I'll, I'll talk to him next time, you know, I come. And he knew he was supposed to. And all of a sudden, you know, two, three weeks later, four weeks later, he read in the newspaper where this known doctor had killed himself. And he said, that was my doctor. There's a world out there that's hungry, that needs to know. With me, with that guy, the owner called me back like at nine something at night, and he said, hey, they, they found him. He's dead. I said, what? He said, I don't know anything. I'll let you know. He called me back even later. Come to find out, he had been shooting up. Uh, 
the, the fire department said if somebody would have just got him somewhere, they could have given him something to protect him. But the guy who was shooting up drugs with him pushed him from the driver's seat into the passenger seat, drove him into a different, like a grocery store parking lot, stole his radio out of his truck, his money out of his pocket, and he died right there. And I thought, man, I could have done better. I, I, I know there's people out there that are searching for religious things that could end up in other places. Uh, we want to make sure we take the opportunities, you know, I mean, false religions. Things without eternal life. We need to take the opportunities. We know the days we live in before the Lord comes back. That will be a big draw on people. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want them to come to know the truth. But we've got the power. We've got the goods. And here, as he's, uh, he's, uh has this vision and gets direction to send, uh, think about it. God was trying to connect. If God's dealing with you about somebody, no, he's already been dealing with them about it. Don't go, oh no, what am I going to say to them? It doesn't matter. God's already been saying something to them, whether they recognize it as God or not. Are you with me? So we don't have to be intimidated and go, how am I going to break the ice? How am I going to talk to them? What am I going to do? Know this, God's already dealing with them or will be dealing with them. And so here, he said, go get him, send for him. Tell him to come. Now notice the 11th chapter. This is after Peter has come. Now Peter actually had been dealt with of the Lord to go with these guys. But in, in Acts 11, verse 13, this is him telling what happened. Eleven thirteen, And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Notice this. He said, who will tell you words by which you and your whole household will be saved? Isn't that interesting? He said he'll just tell you words. By these words, you and your house will be saved. Just through words. His words are powerful words. God works on his words. That's what makes the atmosphere change. That's why Jesus said the words I speak are full of eternal life. We have the same message given from Him. And think how powerful. He said, you'll hear words. By these words, you'll be saved. You'll know what to do. Here are some interesting observations. One, God deals with the lost and will prepare them. But he also dealt with Peter to reach the lost. To, to bring the lost to know him. And I will say this, lost people, more than they know, even if they mock God, want to know him. They may not recognize it, but once they do come to know him, they'll go, this is what I've been looking for my whole life and I didn't know it was this. Didn't know it was this. 
But what's so wild is all of us can give the words of eternal life that produce eternal life. We all know Jesus died and rose again. We all know if people will give their lives to him, then those words right there will give them eternal life and they'll be changed. Man craves the supernatural and to know God. They just sometimes need to be instructed, like all of us. Are you with me? And that's why I say this craving has driven the world to all the world religions we see, all the fortune-telling and all the different mystic stuff out there, all the Eastern religions. This craving has compelled man to find something. Are you with me? And that's why there's such a fight against really one or two ways. The Jewish faith, because that's where the roots come from of Christianity and Christianity. It's because there is a supernatural battle happening for the souls of men. And, and if you just observe it naturally, you won't realize it's supernatural. That's why so many people are puzzled when crazy things happen. Why did they kill themselves? They're a famous movie star. They had millions and millions. They had everything. Because they had everything, but they didn't have everything. They, had, they came to the place of possessing everything they thought they needed, and then when they got there, the enemy said, well, you got everything, there is no hope. You might as well end your life. But there was hope. They just didn't know it. Might as well end it. You got everything that there is to get, but they didn't. Are you with me? There's a world, and we're the supernatural, glorious church. I guarantee if you could get people to a bar and get them drinking, they would experience something. But you get them, and I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> Somebody's like, okay, well, we'll work on that. No. I'm saying you get them to church. And not just any church, but churches that teach the Word, that know the Lord, and are moved by the Spirit and the supernatural helps and works, God works. I guarantee you, just like somebody would go to a bar and have an experience, they could find out the genuine. We're all part of that. I remember as a little kid, turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to read two scriptures and close up here. But when I was a little kid, you know, we'd go to church and I would sense God and recognize God. I just thought it was normal. I didn't realize it was abnormal. But should be. You know what I mean? We should recognize it's normal, but it is abnormal. Not everybody is going to church on some Sunday. Not everybody has had an experience with God because if people did, they might be nuts. In a good way. Assorted nuts. Various type of nuts. You know, people would be like, woo, man. I found it. You know, you see people get saved and get turned on for the Lord. 
We should never forget about that. And we should know. And, and what it does, you're like, ah, this is what I've been looking for. We shouldn't calm them down. We should aim them. Right? And not their head against the wall. But, you know, purposefully. We serve a living God, and He should energize your life. And I believe He does. Amen? Just I didn't know if anybody would agree with me. First Thessalonians, I know you guys do. First Thessalonians, the first chapter. This is how they talked about what they were living in. This is what we should talk about, because we're living in it. This is the same thing. These are words that are not in other things. I've talked to people who are in world religions. And they'll tell you, we're looking. Jesus, when he showed up, he said, I got it. The world religions are looking. I'm not suggesting you go study, but they're still looking for peace. They're still looking for joy. They're still looking for what we have. Jesus came and said, I'm the way. I've got it. And it's interesting how he taught. Come and taste and experience and see. For your, Come take a bite yourself. Come and drink. Come and eat. And be filled and experience it for yourself. Well, that's no pressure on you. That puts all the pressure on God. I dare you to come. I dare you to give God a chance. That's no pressure on you. That puts all the pressure on them and God. You come, God will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5, this is how they talked about what they had. First Thess- Did I say 5? 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5. For our gospel, or the good news, did not come to you in word only. Wow. What if it only came in word only? What if what we were following was word only? Just words. So when that guy said, go tell Peter to come and he'll tell you words by which you and your whole household must be saved, these are the kind of words he said, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. You know, you ever gone out to eat with people or whatever, and you, you ask them, where are we going to eat? You ever had that question? Because if we're going to in and out I mean, t-shirt and shorts are fine. Right? But if we're going to some fancy place, then i got to wear t-shirt, sandals, and at least flip-flops. <laughs> trying to see who's awake. No, you're going to dress up. For the occasion. The gospel is God's occasion to man. And he dresses it up. It doesn't just come with flip-flops and sandals. Notice this. Maybe the person preaching it does. But notice, he said, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but it was dressed up also in power and in the Holy Spirit, 
and in much assurance. Well, if there's power and the Holy Spirit working, it's going to assure you these just aren't words. And this is how it's dressed. And this is so humanity can know. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. Notice, there's an atmosphere, there's a working on these words. Turn and we'll close right here in uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. This was a common thought and a common way in the church. This should be common to us. Put all the pressure on God. Put all the pressure on His Word. Put all the pressure on how He will clothe it and what He will do. Isn't it interesting when Jesus said to His disciples, wait till you get power, then you go preach. And then He said, when you preach the Word and tell the Word, I'll clothe it. What do you mean? He said, I will work and accompany the Word you preach with power and my working in various ways. So he said, I'll do that part, you go do the talking. In other words, there will be power with and my working with the good news. Well, that's pretty good. I said, that's pretty good. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And we're going to look here at the fourth verse. And actually the fifth verse too. Notice, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. In other words, he wasn't just slick willy up there, you know, with tight jeans. I can't do tight jeans. You guys would be disgusted. My legs are too short. It just wouldn't work, you know, because like sometimes people think, you know, you got to just be really cool. And if I do this, you know, can't undo my shirt too far. It looks stupid, you know, and I don't got a big gold necklace either. Not that that's cool either. But, you know, some people think, well, if I just do this and I act like this, you know, and I come and preach, he's so cool. Well, I am, I know, but. So that was sarcasm. Sort of. No. Um, let's keep it down, okay? And um, so I can get my point across here. Right? Hey, I feel good right now. They mock Jesus too. And, um, sorry. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, just trying to be slick and cool and trying to persuade people on his own ability and do it on his own. Look what it said. He said, but my words were in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Same kind of speech. Demonstration and a power. Hey, if you go see, you know, if you go to like Costco, I assume Sam's is the same. You go to some of these places, they have people demonstrating what's going on. If they had a, if they had a demonstration and they had like a blender just sitting there and nothing was happening, that's not a demonstration. You with me? I mean, 
you know, they, they do the knife displays and there's always the person there cutting a penny in half or a nail, you know, look at this. That's nice because you know how often I'm cutting nails in half when I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that just sells men. Like, yeah, we need to get that in case I need to cut a nail off with a knife. Said no man ever. But, you know, that, that, that's a demonstration and, and if we're preaching the gospel and we're sharing the gospel, you can be assured there will be some kind of demonstration from God. Some kind. And he said right here, and my speech and preaching were not with persuasive men, words of, or persuasive words of human wisdom, but my speech was in demonstration of the Spirit and a power for the purpose that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It should be in Jesus and in the reality of Jesus. Not just a bunch of fancy words. Because somebody somehow talked you into it. No, there's a reality. When we get to heaven... We'll see how God worked to move on people. We will. We'll experience it ourselves, but we're going to be probably surprised when we get there and go, wow, he was working on that person before I ever got there. I remember when you dealt with me to talk to that person. Look how you were dealing with them. Or just people you think, I want to talk to them. You start extending your heart to want to do that, God will start working on them too. Are you with me? Yes. 